Um, um, I, I want to talk to you again on the, the, the uh, series, The Kingdom of Heaven, and I want to talk about the parables tonight, just not all of them, maybe one or two, depending on how it goes. But let, let me share something with you that was not a part of my message, but it just came to me, and I want to say it, because the idea of the kingdom of heaven for me is that heaven is being expressed in the earth realm right now. And it's being expressed through the people of God right now. But sometimes we are like uh, without intention, without awareness, expressing the kingdom of God. And what I would like to do is do my part in revealing this reality to you. And even to me, because I want to grow in this amazing reality. So um, uh, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus has uh, instituted that, is going to come in fullness uh, one day soon. But right now, we can enjoy heaven. Uh, we, can just, we can enjoy that. In the midst of the crazy stuff, we can enjoy heaven. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. That's heaven. You know, and so uh, it doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. We're not going to concentrate on him and give him free adver advertisement. I just don't like giving him free anything. And so, you know, we don't mention the devil a lot because, you know, uh, churches always mention him, Christians always mention the devil, the devil. I thought, wow, keep talking about him. That's probably why he's staying around. <laughs> you, know, you know, let's don't even talk about him. You know, let me share something with you from uh, the book of Daniel. It was not a part of my message, but I want to share Daniel chapter 4. <clears throat> uh, let's start in verse 25. <clears throat> Excuse me, it will give you some insight into the kingdom of heaven. That is the rule of heaven. God is ruling right now in our midst. He is ruling in our lives. And he is doing this because of what Jesus has done. Now let me, let me read this um, starting in verse 25, Daniel 4, 25. It's speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, this uh, wicked king that God used to discipline Judah. And he says, they shall drive you from men, because he was lifted up in pride, very arrogant. He said, they shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, or seven years, till you know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. The Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Heaven rules. So, so tonight, let's look at this heaven rules. Now, uh, the scripture te teaches us in John chapter 12, verse 31, also is another scripture. Uh, Jesus, uh, let, me, let, me, let me go to that quickly. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 31. Uh, the scripture reads, uh, Jesus is speaking before he goes to the cross, and he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now, at this moment, is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. And so, from that particular juncture, 
heaven's rule has come to the earth and it is expressed in, through, and by the church. So we have to understand who we are in Christ and what he has given to us. He has been so generous to give us the very kingdom of God. And we have to understand all that that has brought to us and what we then can do with that. Um, in um, Matthew chapter 25, of course, following the amazing uh, uh, chapter 24, when we understand in chapter 24 that the gospel of the kingdom uh, shall be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. But it didn't say preaching. It says the gospel of the kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven must be presented to men, I believe, in what we would call an emphatic way. That is, with, with points of emphasis. And it must be done that way. It must be credibly preached in all the world. And that's what we have endeavored to do. A task too great for any man or any group of men and women. It's too great. So we know that only Jesus can do it, right? Because the government shall be upon his shoulder, not shoulders, his shoulder. He holds it upon his shoulder. The whole of creation is on this one man, is held up by this one man. And when he went to the cross, he secured victory for all of us. And, and that victory is certain. That victory is sure. It's not as they were precarious or uncertain. Amen. It's not that way. <clears throat> so we have to understand the reality of, of the kingdom of heaven. I believe that God is looking for people. You know, the Bible says he is looking for uh, the true worshipers, those who worship in spirit and in truth. So he's looking for that kind of people. And so I believe that the Lord is searching still, as it were, for those called out ones who will do his will no matter what. And that's what we must do, not be so distracted by the other stuff. I mean, some of the stuff is very, very good at distracting. I mean, it really is. I, I would say to you, we should not be involved in it. We're not, we should teach and preach the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, bring down heaven's rule to us. You know, in the scripture, uh, in John, uh, Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, he says, he says uh, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Sanctified, holy, set apart is your name. Hallowed be your name. Uh, your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so we are tasked with, with as it were, bringing the kingdom of heaven, the reality of heaven into the earth. But there are so many distractions. Even some of us are distractors. And, but we, we must lay all those things aside and focus on this kingdom of heaven because uh, men must see the kingdom of heaven. They must see something otherworldly. And I believe that the church is that vehicle, that agent, that is to bring that to pass in the earth. All right? Now, uh, we want to talk about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. This is one of the most uh, talked about parables in the Bible, probably the one of the most that everybody maybe has his own or her own view and disagree with whatever. But let me try to, to find some truth here. Uh, verse 1 says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
And this has to do with the Jewish wedding uh, about what would happen. You know, the, the bride, I mean, the groom goes uh, and gets, gets the bride from a parent's house. He, he's walking down with her, taking her to his house. And um, he says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So he's showing us a very a clear picture that there's a situation going on in our lives and, and in the midst of us where we are waiting on someone. And so the kingdom of heaven is a, a, a place where you are and I are waiting on someone, Jesus Christ. And he says that there are ten virgins. It's like, rather, ten virgins who took their lamp, went out to meet the bridegroom. So they had done something right. All ten of them. Verse 2 says, Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Five were wise and five foolish. So Jesus is showing us that everybody who is expecting the bridegroom, expecting him to come back, and this is probably uh, talking to a Jewish audience, but there, there, are, uh, there is much application for us in this. There's much application for us in this. So he says five were wise, five were foolish, uh, those who were full, foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. That the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. It's like some, some of us are looking for Jesus to come, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we kind of want him to come, but we don't want him to come enough for us to lay down everything and, and focus totally on him. We don't, we don't, not really expecting him to come. Well, he's probably going to come. If he comes, I hope I'm at church, you know, that kind of thing. But, but Jesus is saying that those people are foolish who say they're expecting him to come. They're in the procession. And in the procession here means that they are at church, as it were. They are among the people of God, but they don't really prepare because they didn't take any oil, any extra oil, in case, in case he was delayed. Now notice, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So the wise had some extra oil. They had their lamps, they were burning, but they had some extra oil just in case. And so you, you and I do not want to be those who are among the people of God. We worship with the people of God. We're always there, but we're not really in. Because this is the case. You don't want to be, you want to, you don't want to be like that. Now, let's look at it. It says, but while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. <clears throat> I don't know about the coming of the Lord. It seems that, that when you read the New Testament, that, that Paul and several of, of the brothers, Peter, they seem to be expecting the Lord. And I, I've taught you, I believe that that is intentional. I believe the Lord wants us to live in a state of readiness. He wants, it doesn't matter in which time period you live, you must live in a state of readiness. Because I have this strong sense, and I, it's not because I'm making it up, I have this strong sense that this is a pivotal decade, a very pivotal decade that, that amazing things are going to happen in the church of Jesus Christ and are already happening already happening. You are beginning to see something that the Lord showed me a good number of years ago. I don't remember when I told you that he spoke to me one day and he said, in the last days there will be two churches. And so I am beginning to see that 
in a way that, that does not make me happy. It makes me very sad to see brothers and sisters who are sort of waiting on the Lord, but not really. Because they don't have the oil in their lamp. They're, they don't follow the Holy Spirit. And that's what I, I'm going to use that in, the sense, uh, in a sense tonight. In other words, they're not really following the Holy Spirit. They, they, they are at church, but they don't really know how to keep in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wants them to do something that does not make sense to their rational mind, they follow their rational mind. It, or, or if the Holy Spirit wants them to go against the arguments that are, that are in uh, the societies, uh, our societies, then they go with the society, the, the logical thing that the society is speaking, rather than what the Holy Spirit is saying. So I think this is applicable to where we are today. Now notice they all slumbered and slept. And what, it, what this basically saying is, is that they were nodding off. Everybody was nodding off. Uh, and, but at midnight, a cry was heard, verse Six, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and, and adorned their lamps, got their lamps, you know, working on their lamps, trimmed their lamps. And, said, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our, our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. You know, I, I don't have anything to give you. Uh, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. I think in, with a Jewish application, it has perhaps interpretively to do with, with, with the Jews at the coming of the Lord, interpretively. It has applicably, that is, we can apply it to our lives so that you and I are, live in a state of readiness. See, I think so many times scriptures, you know, they, are, uh, they have an interpretation, but they have multiple applications. And so sometimes we argue over uh, application and interpretation when, when one is, a, is the interpretation, but there are many things that it apply, uh, it, the scripture applies to. So here it applies to us being vigilant. And so I'm asking, are you living vigilant lives? This is what we want to do, because right now the kingdom of heaven is being expressed. It's being expressed through the church, and we want to live vigilant lives because I believe that the coming of the Lord is really near. That's what I believe. It's near. Well, the scripture does say it's nearer than when we began. So. <laughs> okay, so um, verse 10 says, And while they went to, the bride, uh, to buy, the bridegroom came, and those were ready, went into the wedding, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now notice what he says. Hey, Lord, Lord, open to us. So they called Jesus Lord. Uh, they said, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And so what Jesus is saying, something that, that is painful for me, he is saying, I, I was never intimate with you. You never drew near to me. Yeah, you came, you were, you were in the procession with the people of God, but you were never there. I never knew you. I don't have the attitude that you represented being slothful, having other things that are more important than a close relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is what he's saying to them. And, 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 he's, and, and so Jesus' words to us are, watch therefore, watch be vigilant, 
for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You don't know the day or the hour when the Son of Man is coming. And, uh, and I don't think there's any contradiction in what I've just said, because I did not give you a day, I didn't give you an hour, but I'm, I am saying we can know the season. And I believe that this is the season because those things that the Lord has revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, we have seen them come to, to pass step by step by step. So if we're seeing them come to pass uh, in, in incremental steps, then we believe that they're going to come to pass in, a, in a, a more profound way, in a larger and wider range way. So, so let's keep believing and let's keep looking. Um, so I think that what we can learn from here is that salvation is more than a mere profession, uh, just uh, words. It's more than that. We, we must be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what I think he is saying to us. We need an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because those who merely uh, profess to be saved and do not actually possess the Spirit and walk this reality out, they're not really saved because salvation, when salvation comes, there, there is corresponding fruit, all right? There's, there's corresponding fruit. So the, the, uh, the, the parables are showing us uh, a lot of what, are painting a clear picture as to what Jesus is saying to us. Um, so, so, so in this particular uh, parable, these uh, 13 verses, those who fail to be ready when, when the king comes, says, cannot enter his kingdom. So I think that we all, all live these prepared lives because those who are not ready when he comes cannot enter his kingdom. And this is what Jesus is saying to us. And these are things that we ought to tell everybody because sometimes we're, we're so raggedy, you know, with our lives, you know, tattered and not, not tight, not, our belts aren't cinched, you know, around our waist. And, uh, you know, things are just falling down, you know. So we don't want to live like that. Amen. So since the day and the hour of his return unknown, um, uh, we need to live in a state of readiness. And so this is what these, this parable is teaching us, is that you and I must be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Live every day prepared. And if you have uh, any kind of issues, you know, you have problems uh, living, living out the things, you know, we always have, all of us have some destructive tendencies you know, we, we do that, but then you confess those things, you, you rebuke those things, and you ask Jesus for help. You don't make a peace treaty with your weaknesses. That, that's what he wants us to do. That's what this parable is saying. Live in a state of readiness. Always be ready for the coming of the Lord. And um, uh, I've told you stories about some people I've known in the past who were just amazing in their walk with the Lord. And this is how, how I, I've been taught to live, in that I'm always telling the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that thought. I'm sorry for that attitude that just uh, came up so quickly. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Now help me to be better than that. You know, and that's what I always do. And this is what I want you to do. This is what the, the, the Holy Spirit is imploring you to do. So uh, excuses really don't satisfy God, and they'll never will. So in this particular parable um, of the ten virgins, we find uh, that we must live a life of readiness. Let, can, let's do one more and then we will um, not try to do the whole thing. So this one is the parable of the talents and it really teaches us of our faithfulness. It, it's interesting how you get tired 
And uh, as human beings, we get tired. Sometimes, if you were to tell me, I've never been tired of doing the right thing, I wouldn't trust you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If you, you, were, you could say that. I've never. No, no. No, no. We've all been tired. I've been tired. Sometimes I would tell God some things like that. Lord, I'm just tired. I mean, just tired. You know, that meant I was, I was operating off the wrong energy. I was operating off natural energy. I was not operating off the, the Holy Spirit's power. And so, and so the, then you and I need to learn how to operate off the Holy Spirit's power. And, and one way you can learn that is just by taking your hands off things and trusting God. You know, just take your hands off things and trust God. But we always want to touch things and, and be in control. You remember the time uh, one of our brothers who was a, a colonel here, and he was in part of our church once, he told a story about, about this, this man who, who uh, fell off a cliff one day. He fell off a cliff, and on his way down the cliff, he caught on a, a hold of a tree that was uh, growing out of the side of the cliff. You all remember that story? Uh, oh, you remember? Maybe I shouldn't tell it. All right? So, so, uh, so he, he held on to this, this, this thing, and he started to pray, and he was asking God, help me, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God. And said, an angel spoke to him and said, let go. And he, and he looked down, it was way down, and he said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> you know? You know, and that's, <laughs> that's the way we sometimes live our lives. You know, you know, God is telling us what to do to have the victory we are asking for, but we don't want to let go. Yeah. And so you have to let go. That's what these scriptures are teaching us, that we have to let go and then let God. You and I can't figure out all this stuff. This is crazy stuff. And it's not just in one location. It's all over the world. It's all over the world. So, so, so you and I are in the safest place. We're in the will of God. We're in, we're in the safest place. We are in the kingdom of heaven. We live in the kingdom of heaven while we're on the earth. Amen. So we'll talk about faithfulness now in the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 through 30, he, Jesus says to us, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man, all right? The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So, so you and I have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit? We have the power of God. We have the life of God right now. Human beings who can bleed, who can get sick, have the life of God. What a mystery. What a mystery. And so, so it's like the kingdom of heaven is like what we would call an enigma. It, it, it's um, it's a, a puzzle. It's, a, it's, like a, it's almost like a paradox. It's something that you go... Uh, that can't be true, but it is true at the same time. So, so it's a puzzle for us. And so we, we say, well, if God is all that, then, then uh, well, why did I get sick? You know? Hey, man, you're supposed to rule. And rule in the midst of your enemies. That's the kingdom of heaven. That rule, anybody can rule with the absence of enemies, but we rule in the midst of, 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 of our enemies. Yes, well, you know, when we have obstacles, we keep going. That's the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. You, you've got something in your pathway, you just keep going. Uh, my faith brothers say, just speak to it and get it out of the way. I mean, that's good if it works for you. But if I speak to it and it doesn't move, I'll try to crawl over the thing. And, and, and if, if I can't crawl over it, I'll go around it. And if I can't, I'm going to dig under it. I mean, 
I'm going to get through. And that's the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. And you and I have been given this amazing, beautiful kingdom of heaven, this rule of God in our lives. We are different than all the peoples of the earth. You have to understand that. We are different than all the peoples of the earth. And so he, he gave his, his goods to them. And so you and I have heaven's goods, right? We really do. And uh, it, it's not fully evident, but it's, it's real, nevertheless. And, and now listen to what he did. He gives to people according to their abilities. And it says, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. We know that Jesus left the church in charge. We know that, right? Because he said to his disciples, do my business until I come. Do my business until I come. So then what is the business of, of the Lord? It, it is preaching the gospel and living the gospel. That's his business. That's what we're to do. But many of us are not doing that business. We, we've got other business. Uh, and you can hear conversations everywhere. Christians are involved in business that's not their business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. I want you to be convicted by that, all right? Yeah, we're involved in business that's not our business. Jesus did not tell us that that's our business. My dad used to teach us all the time, mind your own business. <laughs> did you hear that? Uh, if y'all didn't hear that, y'all haven't lived long enough. Yeah, mind your own business. And so he says, do my business till I come. And notice what he says. He, he went on a journey. And then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And, and this is probably somewhere between, say, 58, 60 to 80 pounds of silver. He makes a lot of money. He says, and likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, you know that guy's going to be in trouble, but let's keep reading. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, he was lazy. He was, and back in East Texas, we would say he was trifling. So, 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 so you don't want to be trifling. You know, you know what trifling looks like? You know, the church has a need, you know? We have somebody, we need somebody, for example, in children's church. When, and, and you go, well, that's not my calling. You know, we need somebody uh, to help the ushers. That's not my calling. You need somebody to be a greeter. That's not my calling. Trifling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Where are you going? Your calling. What is your calling? You know, what is your calling? You know, so what we do, what we've done, those of us who, who labored here at the beginning, we did whatever was necessary. Whatever was necessary. We, we cleaned the toilets with these hands. Yeah? Set up chairs, put down chairs with these hands. You know, and everybody who came on had to pick, do something with the hands. We used to cook for everybody. Remember that? Cooking for the whole church. Right? Then serving everybody. Huh? You know that? Remember? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's not my calling to be a chef. But it was necessary that I do it. So, so you want to, to do whatever God puts in front of you to do. And, and this is a person who now is being faithful. So you want to be faithful. So, so God's not going to, he's not going to ask you, uh, okay, uh, baby, uh, uh, were you feeling bad that day? You know, what's wrong? He's not going to do that. He's just going to close the door. And, and, not, and we don't want that. All right? Let me see where was that. 
Okay, and, and now, verse 19 now. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. After how long? A long time. Jesus has been gone for about 2,000 years, but he's coming soon. I, I am convinced he is coming soon. I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, but Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, he's coming soon. And of course, when you're my age, you know he's going to come soon. Yeah, but he can come for the young too. So, so after a long time, he came. So verse 20 says, so he who had received five talents came and brought the five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. So he called, that's a lot of money, but he calls it a few things. So there's sort of things that God gives us, there's a few things compared to what God has in store for those who love him. It hasn't been revealed to us yet. Now listen here. Listen here. And uh, he says, I will make you ruler over many things. You've been faithful in your work. Now I'm going to make you ruler. I'm going to make you a ruler. I'm going to make you a ruler. This is what God is after in all of us. Make you ruler over many things. So you and I are being trained to reign with him forever. You ought to take that seriously. I mean, I just want to be with Jesus myself. I mean, that's me. I want to be with Jesus. You could take all this stuff in the earth. I don't want it. I just want to be with Jesus. I want you to fall in love with him. He says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. Uh, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been given... You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So these two servants were faithful in caring for their master's money and are rewarded for their faithfulness uh, with what? Additional wealth, additional responsibilities, and sharing of the master's joy. Isn't that amazing? So they got a lot more than they had expended. Because they, they, they were rewarded for their faithfulness with additional wealth. Amen. So they're a lot wealthier than before. Now they're going to have additional responsibilities. And they're going to now share in their master's joy. This is joy that's so amazing. This is what it looks like when, when one sinner is saved. God is so excited and happy. God, you know, God who knows everything. He's so joyful that the Bible says the angels are rejoicing. How are they rejoicing? Because God exudes joy. And for those who are faithful, God is going to exude his joy. And you are now going to be excited like we've never been excited, happy like we've never been happy, and full of joy that nobody can take away. No wonder somebody wrote the song, this joy, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. And this is what God wants us to live in this particular time period, where the kingdom of heaven is operating in the kingdom of men. Amen. Amen. But let me share this and I'm done for today. I'm done, right? I'm done. So if I go longer, it doesn't mean that I was done. I'm done. Uh, Brother Jamie Buckingham says, the reward for work, work well done is more work. That is true. 
absolutely true. But also, additionally, as we find from our study today, additional wealth, greater responsibility, and the master's joy. Amen. That's what the kingdom of heaven brings. I would like for all of us to uh, rejoice in the Lord. I want you to, to receive the benefits of the kingdom of heaven and stop looking for the world to bless you. God has already blessed you. Now express the blessings of God. Amen? Uh, give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Wow, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Is there anybody here today, you, you've heard the message today, and uh, it affected your life in some way, and perhaps you came in the, in the house and you were not saved, and you said, well, I'm, I can't enter into this joy. This is unspeakable. That is, there's not the ability for a human to express the fullness of this joy. And so he says, you may say, well, I don't know about that. But if you would like to give your heart to Jesus Christ tonight, you can do that. And you will be given this joy that is unspeakable. Don't look around you and say, well, I'm looking at people and they don't look very joyous. Well, don't look at that. You know, look to heaven, look to Jesus. Because the joy that he had, it caused him to endure the cross. It, those nails and the beatings, it caused him to do that. The joy that was set before him. And that's the joy that he gives to us. It's what I call anesthetizing joy. Yeah, that, that, that will anesthetize you to the pain of this life. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus and leave it up until I see it or until somebody sees that. Is there anybody here? You, you came, you're not really uh, saved today. You haven't given your heart to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. Is that anybody? 